Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. Well, a lot of people will wonder why in the world study end times. You know, what is the purpose? Why are we going into this series? And, and you may even hear this word eschatology, and don't let that word you know, throw you off. If, if you know anything about the English language, you know, ology usually means the study of. For example, biology, bi is, bio is the aspect of life, and so ology is the study of life, hence you get the word biology. Well, eschatology, uh, the S part, the esca is the aspect of end times, and ology is the study of end times. And so we are going to be diving into that for the next three weeks, but, but as, I've, as I've taken some time to, to think about biblical prophecy and most of you may not realize this, but literally one-third of your Bible, one-third of your Bible is about prophecy towards the end times. It, most of it is end-time prophecy. One-third of it is prophecy. Some of it may be geared towards Jesus, and Jesus is coming and pointing to the Messiah. But a majority of it goes back to end-time prophecy. It is a major, major, major concept of what we do. But I don't want you to be fearful or afraid. You need to know that in Ezekiel chapter 38, Ezekiel chapter 38, we're not going there today, but you can go study that. It literally depicts all the things that you see going on in this world. One of the reasons why we're studying this is because of all the craziness, right? I mean, like, what's going over in the Middle East? What is Russia? And, and they're over here, you know, with the Ukraine. And, and what's going on with these Russian ships that are right off the coast of Israel? And how do we handle all these different things? Listen to me. Ezekiel chapter 38 tells you all of that. In fact, it uses the name Rosh, which is the old name for Russia. And it talks about this king of, of the east, which is referring to China. And this alliance that's being set up between Russia and China, it's not new news. Like your word that you have in your hand, like it tells you verbatim all the things that have been transpiring over in the Middle East. It even talks about Iran and what role they're going to play. Listen to me. You, you should be encouraged. God's word gives us the ability to understand that we can have confidence in God because not only does he know the future, but he controls the future. And that should give you great relief. But unfortunately, most people, when they talk about the end times, they talk about all the wrath and the mark of the beast and you're going to have a chip in your head. You're going to go to Walmart. You're like, beep. You know, how's that going to work? You know what I'm saying? Like, like you're trying to fit. Like, what am I going to do, you know, in tribulation and blood? And am I going to get my head chopped off? And am I going to be here during tribulation? And, and where's the church at? You know, all of its wrath. And listen to me. It's there. The wrath of God is there. But I want you to know that's not the greatest motivation. Now, next week, we're going to get into a little bit more of, of some of that stuff. Next, next week, I'm literally going to tackle the book of Revelation. But I, but I got to get you on the right page first. And the right page in the topic for today and, and what we're going to be studying is the fact that, that it, it's not a horror story. It's a love story. You know, yes, the wrath of God is there. But I promise there's something so much bigger that's there. It's not just about, you know, 666 and Mark of the Beast and, and the Antichrist and how he's going to show up and what's going to happen. There's so much more. And today, with your help, as we dive into God's Word, I just want you to see it. I want you to see right out of God's Word exactly what it is that he has called us to. And so with that being said, I want to start in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 1. And it simply says this, let not your hearts be troubled. This is Jesus speaking, and he's speaking about what's about to come. And the first thing that he says is, listen to me, don't let your hearts be troubled. Listen, if you're a believer, if you love Jesus, you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, by the end of this, like, like I got great news for us. Like, you have nothing to be afraid of. You have nothing to worry about. I don't know why we get so anxious when we talk about end times. But as a believer, you, you got nothing to worry about. If you're not a believer, I got some bad news for you today. I'm sorry. But, like, it ain't going to be a good day for you. But we're going to figure out what we can do about it. But listen to what Jesus said talking about the end times. 
He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? I mean, he's literally saying, listen, like, like it never was about Jesus' life on this earth. Like a lot of times when we think about Jesus, we always think about his life on this earth and what he did on this earth and how he was crucified and, and buried and rose on the third day, which is a major deal. But Jesus never was consumed with this earth. He's like, look, man, I got to go. Like, I'm, I, I got to go because I've got some eternal things to work on. And I'm going to prepare a place. Like, like it ain't ready. I got to get it ready. But listen to what he says. He says, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. If you have a paper Bible, underline those words. Jesus will come back. He's gone to prepare a place. And he gives us this concept saying, I will come back. But listen to his motivation. This is what blew me away. And I will take you to myself. There where I am, you may be also. Jesus didn't say, hey, I'm going to prepare a place and I'm going to come back. And when I whoop that devil and I bury him in a abyss and I put a lid on it, like I'm going to win that battle. Like that's, that's not what this was talking about. He says, I'm, I'm going to prepare a place. And the whole motive is because I'm coming back so that you can be with me. He says, I want to be with you. And I want you to be with me. You know, there's so many things that people talk about. And, and they think about that, going back to that Ezekiel chapter 38. And this, this Rosh, which means Russia. And this King of East, which means China. And it talks about this Valley of Jehoshaphat where this where this battle, this Armageddon is going to take place, and that's where the final battle is going to you know, be fought and, and where everything's going to be proclaimed. And, and those are all the things that people want to focus on. But what Jesus is saying is he's saying, listen, I got one message for you. Don't let your hearts be troubled when you're thinking about these end times. I'm leaving, and I know you may think that I'm leaving a little bit early, but I'm leaving early because I'm focusing on eternal things, not earthly things, because I got to go prepare a place. And if I go to prayer place, I will come again, and I will draw you to me. I will come back, and I will take you to that place. I mean, it, it's amazing to think about if you were to think about the whole concepts, because when we think about Jesus' life, for those of you that may not know, he, he had a 33-year life. The first 30 years was more of a preparation of his life, and then he spent three years in public ministry. At the end of that public ministry, we hear a whole lot. Obviously, we read, we celebrated at Easter how he went to an old rugged cross, right, and he was buried, and, and then he rose on the third day. And, and then he had 40 days, 40 days that he walked around in his what's called the glorified body. And he was telling people. He was preparing them. He was, he was setting the stage of what was about to come. And during that time after that, then if you were to look, and in fact, I'm going to read it for you. Jesus' last words on earth was Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And he says this. He says, but... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and into the ends of the earth. You know, like Jesus' last words when, when he's talking about, like, I'm getting ready to go prepare a place for you, and, and when if I go, I will come back. But he says, but I got something I need you to do. And he spent 40 days trying to let them understand what he was needing them to do. And the way he summed it up, is he, the last thing he said on this earth, he said, listen to me. He said, you're going to be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, in other words, everywhere you go, I need you to be my witnesses. And listen to what happens. In theology world, we call this the great ascension, all right? If you were to study this, it's called the great ascension of Jesus. And listen, and, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out from their sight. In other words, he was sitting there in this glorified body and he was talking to them and he's telling them, you know, hey, I'm going to get you to be my witnesses to, to Jerusalem, to Judea, to the uttermost parts of the world. And then all of a sudden, it's just like he just starts lifting up. And they're watching him lift up. And all of a sudden, he just gets past the clouds, and, and he, just, he just disappears. And all the disciples, as you can imagine, and the people that were following him at that time, they're, they're looking, right? And they were lifted up, and the cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were still gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men, these are angels, stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? 
This Jesus who has taken up from you into heaven, here's the words again, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Like you, you need to understand, and if you want a little bit of a concept, this was happening at what's called the Mount of Olives. It's just to the east of the old town of Jerusalem. In fact, this will be the same place that Jesus comes back. It'll happen at the Mount of Olives just outside of uh, east of the old city of Jerusalem. And he says he, he will come back. And, and what I want you to understand is, is you say, well, but Mickey, I, 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 don't, I don't believe in God. Well, listen to me. Your, your belief in God ain't going to keep him coming back. Like, I need all of us to get on the same page. Like, what I'm telling you is straight out of God's word, and it's just the truth. And so I need you to understand that I'm not going to tell you my opinions or what I think. Like, we're going to stay, like, I got 10 pages of notes, and we got about 35 minutes. So I, I've, I've got to stay on task. I don't have time to, to debate you about whether you'll believe or not, because the bottom line is what I'm telling you is the truth and what's going to happen two different times. He's talking about the fact that he will come back. In fact, I'll give you a little bit more information. Are you ready for this? When talking about the end times, when talking about him coming back, uh, it's one of those things that 300 times it's referenced in the New Testament, the return of Christ or end times. In fact, to break that down a little bit more, 216 of the 260 chapters of the New Testament says something about the returning Christ or end times. 23 of the 27 books of the New Testament mention something about the return of Christ or the end times. It is a major part of God's word. And I'll be honest with you, I, I feel like we're closer now than we've ever been. And you say, oh, here we go, Mickey. Yeah, everybody says that. You know, I, I, I was alive in 1988. If anybody was alive in 1988, you remember that old boy that wrote that book, 88 Reasons for the Rapture to Happen in 88. Well, he was wrong. <laughs> but there's some other things taking place that are some signs that you need to know that, that I'm, I'm telling you, we it's kind of a stupid statement, but, but, you know, patronize me, please. Like, we're closer now than we've ever been. Like, oh, duh, you know. But, but listen, there's things happening that, that has never happened before. I'll, I'll give you an example. I'm going to talk more about this next week, especially in week three. But do you know that there have been more people that have prayed to receive Christ in the last 50 years than the previous 1,972 years since the birth of Christ? Like one of the aspects it talks about is the gospel reaching to the uttermost parts of the world. And when his gospel has been proclaimed everywhere, it says he's coming back. You need to know that literally there has been more people pray to receive Christ and get into a relationship with Jesus in the last 50 years than the previous 1,972 years combined. You say, well, Mickey, I, you know, I, I don't really see that. I don't know where, where that comes from. Well, well, let me help you out. Are you ready? Uh, actually, the concept's very, very, very simple because one of the things that's happening and that's going on in this is that you have 193 sovereign nations. Out of the 193 sovereign nations, all of them are growing in their, the faith, the aspect of Jesus Christ. All of them are growing more rapidly than the population as far as conversions of people into Jesus, except for 17 of them. So 193 sovereign nations, all of them but 17, the gospel's being presented and people are praying to receive Christ quicker than the population growth. You say, well, Mickey, I don't see that. Why don't I see that? Because there's 17 that's not. And yes, America's one of those 17. In fact, there's five that are declining then there's 12 that are in what's called stasis, or they're just stagnant. America would be a part of that where, where we're stagnant. We're not declining, but we're stagnant. You say, well, where's this happening at? Well, a lot, especially in some of your Muslim nations, the gospel, I mean, there's a revival that is taking place in our world. But we, we being American, and don't mishear me, I'm as patriotic as anybody, but we're the most self-consumed people in the world. And we just think of what our reality, that that's everybody's reality. But that, like, you need to know there's a, a revival that's taking place in a lot of countries, and the gospel is growing, and it's being presented, and conversions are taking place, and there are revival services where literally thousands upon thousands upon millions of people are praying to receive Christ every single year, so much so that it's growing faster than their, popu uh, their population. And do you know that's one of the number one signs that we're close to the end time? So listen to me, just because you don't see it doesn't mean it ain't coming. Just because our environment in the United States that we're kind of status quo or stagnant doesn't mean it ain't happening. 
In fact, one of the reasons why I'm doing this series is because, because I, I, listen, I, Lord, let it, let it happen here. Lord, whew. Lord, if Crossroads could have any influence in creating a revival where people will come into a right relationship with you, Lord, we are available, we are willing, we will leverage every resource, every influence, everything we had. I had this spoke to me in a conference recently, and it absolutely blew my mind. He said, if you fed everybody in your city, you've, you put every homeless person in housing, and you took care of all the social needs in your city as a church, but yet people died without a relationship with Jesus Christ, then it all was for nothing. And you got to understand, I'm a community person. And I'm like, why has it got to be either or? Why can't it be both and? Why can't we try to feed everybody, house everybody, but also make sure they know that there's a Jesus and there's an eternal place that you're going? And that's the heartbeat when we talk about we want to be life-giving as a church in our community to help people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. But concerning end times, you just need to know that that I, I, I really, I mean, I really believe we, we're seeing things that, I mean, I get it. You know, every generation has people they point to as far as the Antichrist. Every generation says, well, they see things like never before. I mean, we've just seen this hurricane that went through Florida, and we're praying for those people down in Naples and Tampa. I mean, uh, I mean we, we're seeing so many different things, but, but there's, just, there's just something different. You know, like, like you've sensed it. You know, it, it, like the, the concept of, of, of just struggling. You know, the aspect of moral decay. The absence of truth. Like some of the things that we're battling that are social hot topics that you, I mean, can we be honest? Did any of us that have been alive this long, you know, did any of us 20 years ago, like, like when, when they flew airplanes into buildings, we were kind of shocked. But did any of us think that, that since that time that the things that we are battling as far as questions would be the things we would be battling in our society? Hot topics like, like gender. And that there's more than male and female and bestiality, and, and, and just, I mean, like, like, wow. The moral decay that is in our country and that is sweeping around this world, I'm telling you guys, this is different. In fact, if, if we were to spend a little bit of time and thinking about a little bit in Matthew chapter 24, verse 2, the culture of the end times, it, it, it's going it's gonna, it's gonna to weigh a heavy toll on people. In fact, in this particular voice, in this particular verse, it says during the end times is that, that people's heart will grow cold. Like one of the reasons why I, I want to do this is it literally it says because of the lawlessness that will increase, the love of many will grow cold. And I don't know of anything that, that depicts our society more, more than that verse. Why? Because, because the end times are going to be a very heavy, heavy time for you. And it's not time to get fearful. And it's not time to get intrigued either. Can I chase her? I mean, I, got, I don't have time for rabbits today, but I got to, like, being consumed with trying to figure out when it is, like, we're going to talk about that too. Do yourself a favor. Stop. I mean, the Son of God doesn't know the time. Jesus himself doesn't know. And if Jesus doesn't know, what makes you think you're going to figure it out? Like, I, I've got this new habit. Every time one of these guys gets on a radio or TV show and says, hey, I know the, guy, I know the world's going to end on this date, I'm like, whoo, man, not mark that one off. No, it ain't going to happen then. Because there ain't nobody going to know. I better get back to this. I'm spending too much time. I'm going to get myself in trouble. But here's the bottom line. Listen to me. The violence, the inflation, the moral decay, the just the, the dangerous time that human history, and, and we're all sensing it, and as we're getting close, I want you to understand there's something bigger that is taking place. There's something major that's taking place. And the bottom line is we don't want that to happen, but we need to be prepared with what the Bible says, making the bride ready. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Just know that as a church, when it comes to end times, he, he literally, he's saying, you know what, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm up here, and I am coming back, 
and I'm ready to receive my bride. I mean, I, I got a wedding today. There's a couple that's not here today because I, I did a little rehearsal last night, and I, and I talked to her, and I said, I said, what time are you getting started tomorrow? Now, her wedding is not until like, like 4, 35 o'clock. She's like, oh, I'm starting at 8 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, you're a beautiful young lady. What in the world are you going to do for that long? Like, you don't need that much. To, you know, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. The bride's getting ready. Like, the bride's losing a little bit of weight, and she's doing some different things. I mean, like, there's a, spending a lot of money. Like, there's a lot of things that brides do getting ready. And I really feel like, like that's where we're at. Like, we have got to get ready. And I think that's what we're going to focus because because the goal is, listen to me, he calls us his bride because end times is not about wrath and, and destruction and, and 666 and, and all that. It, it's, a, it's about a relationship. It's about God coming down and, and receiving his bride and drawing her to himself so that they could be together forever. In, in fact, it starts, if you want to join me in God's word even more, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15 through 18, it says this. For this we declare to you by, the word, by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who are fallen asleep. Now, I just need to help you out for a minute. You need to know that there's a lot of people that you have that are loved ones, that they have passed away from this earth. But just know that their physical body is dead, but they ain't dead. They just asleep. Like, like, I'm counting on that. I have some loved ones that I know that Scripture says to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Like, they are in a heaven, and they are in a waiting. But listen, this isn't a, like, well, you just, like, this life is like this vapor, and all of a sudden when it's gone, it's gone, and you just ash to ash, dust to dust, you return to the ground. Like, you have this amazing thing called a soul. And I'm going to share a little bit more later on about the fact that this soul is going to live forever with the Lord, and you're going to have a new body and a new heaven, and a new earth. But you just need to know that when he's talking about these end times, he's trying to give us some information. And the first thing he tells us is, is you got people that are going to be living when Jesus returns, and then you got people that have, have passed on or that preceded, is the word that it uses, preceded in death, but they're not dead. they just simply asleep. Now listen to what it says. This, this is good stuff. And so he, he keeps reading in, in verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of a trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be called up together. Now that word called up is a very, very unique word. And I need to give you some information because this will help you later on. Because people are like, where is the rapture at? The rapture ain't in the word. That, you, you just mistranslating stuff. There ain't no word called rapture in the word. The rapture really ain't going to happen. Well, listen what? Called up is actually two words in English, but it's one word in the Greek. It's harpatos, which is literally means to snatch or to snatch up quickly. Have you ever played the, the game Spoons? I, I, doing student ministry for a while, I used to play Spoons. And, man, you, I mean, you, about, you break somebody's finger. Like, you play in this game, and there's spoons in the middle, and there's, and there's one spoon less than the number of people that are playing. And when somebody gets, like, like four of the same card, they would... Lay down their cards and grab a spoon. And as soon as they grab a spoon, everybody else knows it's game time. Like, you better get a spoon. Like, like we, I, we broke some tables trying to get spoons. That's what it's talking It's snatch. It's, like, whoop, it's quick. Like, in a blink of an eye, he's going to snatch you up. That's what it's talking about here. But the Latin word, the Latin word is raptura. The word called up in Latin means raptura, which is where we get the word rapture. So when people tell you, oh, well, rapture's not in the Bible, well, yes, it is. It may not be verbatim, that word, but the whole concept of the rapture is comes straight out of the Scripture. It's from knowing the, the original text and understanding the Greek and then understanding this Latin influence, and that's where we get the word, the rapture, when he's going to come and he's going to snatch us up and he's going to take us to be with him. But let's keep reading. He's going he's to be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Listen to these words. This, this is the part that I couldn't get past. He didn't come down to grab us. He didn't you know, catch them up in the air so that you know, I can just defeat the devil and tell everybody I'm the man and tell everybody what's going on. No, 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 no. He does it for what? He says, so that we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. 
Like, like his whole main purpose in everything that he is doing, even when he talks about the rapture, when he's talking about the end times, the whole thing is caught up with the fact that he wants to be with us. He loves you. It's not about this defeat. It's not about this wrath. It's not about this mark of the beast. Like all of those things are part of the story, but that's not the main motivation. In fact, God's main motivation has always been and will always be you. I mean, the way I put it is that, is just know that like, like God misses you. Like, I know it almost seems silly, like God can be everywhere, but, but God can't, can't dwell in the house of sin. And one of the reasons why he has a personal relationship with you and gives you the ability to have forgiveness for your sin is so that now you can dwell with him, not just forever, but you can be a part of him now. That's where your spirit dwells. And, you know, it's so funny because, like, God created you in his image. Now I get it. The world says something different, doesn't it? The world says, hey, you were palm scum. And then you crawled out of that pond and you grew a tail. And then you shook that tail off and you grew hair all over your body. And then you shook that off on everywhere except for the top of your head. <laughs> Some of you evidently shook too hard. <laughs> but it's one of those things that, you know, it, you know it's like that, that you know, it, it's one of those things like, what in the world? Where did, you know, it's like from goo to you through the zoo. You know, it's like, what in the world? Like you just an animal. Like we wonder why kids act like animals because that's what they're being taught. You just an animal. Listen to me, that's not it. You're not goo to you through the zoo. Scripture says that you were created in God's image. Scripture says that you're a child of God. If God came back, he's saying, you know, I'm coming back for my people. These are my, these are my family. These are the people that I love. Like if, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. Like can I, hopefully I can explain this a little bit because I want to give some of you some freedom today. Because I, I know a lot of you, you, you've bought into life experience and what other people have said. And, and you have accepted God's forgiveness, but your concept is kind of this. Like, like I know God's forgiven me and he loves me, but he, he can't like me. You know, I, I got five kids. And I can remember some of the funny stories when they were younger. I had one kid who's, whose hair, like I don't know what it would look like if you stuck your finger in a light socket, but that's how their hair was. And when the wind would blow, it just like, and I used to laugh and cut up, and I like, like, like little, little fro-yo boy. Like what in the world, you just like, it's just, and, and it's one of those things with all the things. He also, he, he was one that he just, like you could wash his hands, but yet his hands were always sticky. Like he'd put his hands and stuff that you like, like you, you're not supposed to put your hands there. And I've got other kids that, like it's crazy some of the things that, that they would do. I, I, had, I had one child that would literally like, like we'd put him in a high chair and, and literally, one time I was joking around with Amy, and I put him in the high chair, and I took the food, and I just threw it all over the place. And she's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to go ahead and start cleaning up before they start eating. I'm just getting ahead of the game. But let me tell you something. Even as they've gotten older, and they get attitudes, and you know what I'm talking about, especially you men in the room, you go from being the wisest man ever, like, Daddy, help me with everything, to then, Daddy, don't touch nothing. You're stupid. You don't know what you're doing. But do you know, I, I absolutely adore them. Like, it makes me emotional thinking about those five. Because they're mine. And there's not anything that any one of them five knuckleheads, no matter how much they're like their mama, <laughs> could do to make me love them any less. You say, Mickey, are you ever disappointed? Briefly. Because I never expected them not to be human. And I know the things that I did. And that's not their excuse to go make a, a poor decision, just in case some of them are in the room listening. But it's one of those things that, 
with all the stuff that's going on, there's not anything that they could do. There's not anything that they have done. Like at the end of the day, come hell or high water, that's like my ride or die crew. Like, I mean, I adore those five children. And you know that's exactly what God's thinking about you. He adores you. Like there's not anything that you could have done or not done. Like no matter how much your parents have loved you, no matter how much your spouse may love you, no matter how much the person that you feel in your life loves you, there's not anybody living that is even close in comparison to how much God loves you and adores you. And because of that, you know what he said? He said, I, I will come back. And I'm going to get my people. Because I want to be with them. I adore them. In fact, if you were to think about the concept of God's word and the understanding of this relationship that it's all built around, the first two chapters of God's word is is creation and man and, and God living in harmony. That's the first two chapters of God's word. And then this thing called sin entered in. And from there to the last two chapters of God's word, it's just, it's literally the chaos of what happens when sin gets involved. It's the devil's schemes. But then the last two chapters, guess what? He starts talking about, about God and man and living in harmony again. Can I share a little bit of that with you. It's in Revelations chapter 21, starting in verse one. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So, so let me help you. I'm, I'm gonna pause for a minute and give you a little bit of end times here. You need to know that what you think of heaven, like a harp, an angel on a, sitting on a cloud, that ain't the way it's gonna be. Like God created this earth for us to live here and dwell with him forever and sin wrecked it. And since that process, this earth has been declining. But this scripture tells us that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. In other words, guess what? Yes, there's going to be an earth. But it's going to be a perfected earth. And you're going to dwell on that perfected earth. And there's going to be a new heaven. There's not going to be this separation. It's all going, like earth and the perfected earth and heaven. Now there's no longer this separate, like they're together. Like some people are like, well, I don't, I'd really like to go to heaven, but man, I really love this earth, and I like to hunt, and I like to fish. I, like, like you're going to be, and it's, it's going to be perfect. I don't know what that means. I don't know what we like, David, every time I'm getting like a 12-pound largemouth, I mean, I don't know what that looks like, but just know that, that this earth is going to be perfected. You're going to dwell on there. But listen to what God's word says. He says, not only that, he said, therefore, a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth has passed away. That's where we're at right now. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Just so you'll know, the new Jerusalem is talking about the church. That's talking about the new Jerusalem, talking about a city. That's talking about new Jerusalem. That, that's you and I. That's his church. He says, I saw new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adored for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And listen at these words. Wow, this, this is what caught me. He says, and he, being God, will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear. There's no more cancer. There's no more disease. There's no need for insurance. <laughs> There's no traffic on the bypass. He says, I'll wipe away all their tears from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither there shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. See, his greatest motivation is very simply that he misses you. Like after those first two chapters of harmony, when sin entered, from that very moment, God had already set in place 
the restoration for you and I. Because he's like, no, those are my people. And I'm not going to let anything keep me from them. But she's like, but Mickey, I got to know. Like, I, I got to know some stuff. Like, like, like I came here like, like you're going to have to give me something. Like, when's it going to happen? Like, like, when's the end? Like, I need to know, what, are these the last days? And I, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> you, know, you hear me say all the time, be careful the questions you ask to determine the, the answers you seek. And, and is this the last days? That, that's actually a really silly question. Because these are the only days you've got. You ain't got no other days. But I will tell you this. If these were the last days would change the way you was living, then I encourage you to go ahead and change. If knowing these were the last days would change the way you were living, then what are you waiting for? Like, if I was you, like, why not go ahead and change? Like, if there's a right way to do things, then let's just do it the right way. But I will tell you that, yeah, that they, honestly, they may be. I'll give you some more information about that next week, but yes, they these, these could be. We could be the generation that sees the second coming of Jesus Christ. But my prayer is if we're preparing ourselves as a bride, what well, well, are we going to wait till the trumpet sounds before we start trying to get ready? In fact, one of the things that it talks about is, is what should you do? You know, like, well, if these are the last days, what do I do? Well, let me, let me go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. It says, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourself are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Like, like you don't know, like lock the doors, get ready. Like I, I got some things at my house that if somebody breaks into my house, it's going to be a really bad day for them. You say, Mickey, you five foot seven. That's right. But I got this amazing thing that makes a sound like this, which is the universal sound for a, oh, I better get out of here. And it gets six shots without me reloading. Like, I'm not going to wait until the door's kicked in and be like, oh, I got to protect my family now. Like, no, I'm ready. Now, I don't, I'm not wanting it. I'm not sitting around like, yeah, hey, I hope tonight's the night I'm sitting here with my shotgun. But if something is going to happen, I'm going to be, that's what this is talking about. You just need to know when it comes to the end times, it's going to come like a thief in the night. Like, just get ready. Lock the doors. Get everything ready. Get your house in order. Get yourself in order. Get yourself prepared. It is coming. And then listen to what he says. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains coming upon a pregnant woman. Now, listen, I've had five kids. Do you know I didn't know when any of them were born? But, boy, I knew when we were getting close. <laughs> Dear Lord, deliver her. Like, bless her heart. Like, you know, like she's uncomfortable. She can't eat, though she's hungry. I mean, it's just like, like, like that's what it's talking about. Like, like there are some labor pains. There are signs of the season that let you know when you're close. And I'm telling you, there, there's a lot of signs that we've seen, and I'm like, man, we, we close. We are close. Listen to what it keeps saying. Like a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers. Like, like Mickey, why are you teaching this? Because you ain't, it ain't going to be on me. Like, do I want to teach this? Now, I'm a nervous cat up here. Because I, 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 I just want to handle it so carefully. And there's more to come in the next couple of weeks. But listen, you, you ain't never going to say, well, I didn't know because Mickey didn't tell me. Mm-mm. Like, I'm gonna, like you, you make a commitment to be here in the next couple of weeks. And I'm going to give you so much information out of God's word that you're going to be prepared. Because God didn't create us to live in darkness. He created us to live in light. And that's one of these things that he's talking about. It's going to come like a thief, but he's like, you know what? But you are not in darkness, brothers, for the day to surprise you like a thief. It ain't going to surprise you. Like, I, I'm going to have you ready. Like, when it comes to Crossroads Community Church, as long as I'm breathing, we're we going to know. We're going to know God's word. We're going to know the truth, and we're going to push everybody towards that. And with that being said, for you are all children of light. 
Children of the day, we are not the night of the darkness, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. There's that aspect of life again. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. You know, he said, for God, in verse 9, for God does not destined us for wrath. All right, let me give you a little piece of nugget to get you excited about next week. A lot of people ask, you know, when's the church going? You know, there's two different beliefs, that, that the church is going to be taken up first, and then tribulation, everything will take place. And then there's another belief that the church is going to go through tribulation. I, this, this just tells me God never wanted his children to experience wrath. I'm going on the first elevator, brother. Because, you know, he said, I never, I never wanted my children to experience wrath. In fact, if you turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 6, verse 8, it talks about that there's, there's a person that's holding back the Antichrist. The Antichrist cannot even come until this person is gone. And the person it's referring to is the person of the Holy Spirit. And God said, you know what, he, he left and he said, I'm going to leave you with my spirit. So in other words, they can't even reveal who the Antichrist is until the church is gone because the Spirit's in you, and you are the Spirit. So therefore, the church is going to be raptured up, and then the Antichrist will come. But you don't need to live in fear. You don't need to be like, ooh, what's going to happen? Because the reality is, is, is listen, it, this is a love story. It ain't a horror story. This is about God saying, I want to be with you. I want to dwell with you. I want to spend time with you. But it's one of those things that these are some of Paul's teachings. But Peter, and this is the last thing, and I'm going to close. Peter also teaches on the end times. It's in 1 Peter chapter 4. And he says the end times is near, so there's three things to do. So I've been giving you some of Paul's teachings out of 1 Thessalonians, and I gave you a little bit of John's teachings out of the book of Revelation, and we'll dive even more into that next week. But Peter also has some teachings about the end times, and he gives us three things. And the first thing he tells is, is get right with God. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, literally, it, it talks about getting right with God. In fact, if, if we were to think about some of the other scriptures, it says, If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, 9. You know, he, he didn't even say, if you confess and stop. Like, some of us think, like, like, I'd love to get right with Jesus, but I just can't stop what I'm doing. Listen, it doesn't say confess and stop. You actually can confess and keep on sinning. That's not what he wants. But if we read God's word, he said, I just want you to confess. Listen, he says, if you will confess your sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us of your sins and purify us to all unrighteousness. But listen to what 1 Peter 4, 7 says. He says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. The word sober-minded is clear-minded. You know what he's saying? He's like, you know what? The end times, it, it, it could be close. You need to do three things. Number one, you, you need to make sure you're right with God. The second thing that he talks about is in the next verse, and it's very simply this, 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. He talks about you need to have solid relationships around you. You need to have solid relationships. Just not multitude of relationships. You need to have solid relationships. In fact, I love how it says, since love covers a multitude of sins. Real quick, Rabbit. If you have a multitude of sin in your life, I guarantee you this, you ain't got accountability in your life. You may tell you what covers a multitude of sin? Love. And it's not just a love of God. It's also a love with people. Like, if you want to get right with some of the things that are in your life, you need to learn to confess them, not just to God, but confess them to some other people in your life. Accountability on this earth will help you stay out of a multitude of sins. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you want to have relationships in your life like that. You want to have solid relationships. In fact, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, 
as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, and the day's capitalized, talking about the last day, as you see the day drawing near. I mean, you need solid relationships, and the bottom line is, and I don't talk about this a whole lot, but, but you better make church a priority. Like the end's going to be tough. You say, how tough? It's going to be tough as hell. It's going to be tough as hell. What do I mean? I'm talking about hell as a place. I'm not being profane. I'm talking about like the noun. It's, it's going to be a tough, it, it, like it's going to be horrible. For some people, it's going, their, their love's going to grow cold. They're going to struggle. Like, in fact, I'd even say this much. I don't know that you can get through it without having solid relationships in the church. I think you'll be sifted like wheat. You better get plugged in to a church. It's called solid relationships. In fact, there's three things that you're going to need. Number one, you're going to need some people to stand with you. You're going to need some people to pray with you. You're going to need some people to encourage you. You're going to need some people to stand with you, pray with you, and encourage you. You say, okay. But you need to get into a group where you can also do the same for them. The third thing that he talks about is not in the next verse. It's actually a couple of verses later in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. We should do everything that we can to help the rest of the world find out this good news about Jesus. Not only do we need to get right with God, not only do we need to have solid relationships, but we, need, we should do everything that we can to let everybody else know the good news of Jesus. Here's how the way it says it. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles for the God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belongs the glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. Church, we, we got to get on mission and let people know about the good news of Jesus Christ. My very, very, very last thing, and I'm done. And I appreciate you guys being patient. I promise you'd be surprised how much you just covered in a little over 35 minutes. But earlier, I, I told you about Jesus' last words on earth. But that wasn't actually his, his last words. They're actually in Revelation. In Revelation chapter 3, if your Bible is a red letter Bible, you know, it has the red letters of when Jesus speaks, then you'll see in Revelation chapters 1, 2, and 3 that you'll see some of the wording is in, is in, is in red. Why? Because it was, it was Jesus. Now, this is... This is a revelation to John on the island of Patmos. And this is where we get the book of Revelation. And it's what we're going to be studying even more next week. But can I read for you what Jesus' last, 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 like very, 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 very last words were? Like the last thing that's in God's word that Jesus said? It's Revelations chapter 3, verse 20. Behold. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens up the door, I will come into him. And listen to what he says. He doesn't say, I'll come into him and I'll, I'll condemn him and, and I'll make them right. I'll sanctify them and make sure they know what they did wrong. No, no. He says, listen, I will come into them and eat with him, and he with me. See, it's an intimate relationship. He's like, I'm going to share a meal with you. Which made me think about the great way to close this message. Because when the disciples went back and they, you had Peter, and he goes running into that tomb. In John's account, it's a little bit different. Because it talks about all these, these linens and all these things that are going apart. But, but in, in John's account, listen to chapter 20, verse 7. And the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, was not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. 
You say, maybe, well, what, what's the difference? Why, what does that matter? Why did John have that in his account? Like all these linens, why did he focus on this face cloth that was, that was folded up and, and was laying differently by itself? In fact, it talks about it being at the, at the head of that, of that, where he was lying in that tomb. Well, if you understand Jewish custom, you'll understand why he did that. See, in Jewish custom, it was, it was very common for when you were done eating, you would wad everything up and throw it in the middle, and they knew that, hey, you know what, he's done. So if you went up to the bathroom or if you dismissed yourself, like they knew like, like, like they're done. But if you weren't done, if you were coming back, you would take your napkin and you would fold it. And you would lay it neatly on your plate to let everybody know, hey, I ain't done. I'm coming back to finish. You know what Jesus was telling everybody? You know why that is in John's account? Because he folded that face cloth and he laid it there and he's saying, hey, listen, my people, I ain't done. I am coming back. And when I'm coming back, I'm coming back to receive you. And when I finish preparing this place for you, I'm going to come back and get you and I'm going to take you with me so that we can dwell forever in the new heaven and the new earth. Listen to me. It's not about wrath. It's not about judgment. It's not about all these horrible things that we're trying to figure out. What does this mean? It's about a love story. And the creator of the world saying, listen to me very carefully. I am coming back. And I long for every one of you to be with me. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you don't miss out. Also, if you want to help support reaching more people with these life-giving messages, visit crossroadscommunitychurch.com slash give. Once again, thanks for listening.